Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Well, it finally happened. OPEC had their wonderful meeting. And I have to say, we kind of called it on this channel a little bit on this podcast overall that they would be cutting oil production. I didn't expect that number though that they were talking about today. And that's something we'll be able to talk a little bit more later when we talk about this podcast. But the markets though, things are gonna get really, really tough these next few months probably within the market, especially for the American consumer overall. I personally wouldn't be surprised if this shopping holiday next becomes a shopping holiday that doesn't meet quarter expectations, especially with the chance now that, in my personal opinion, I think gas prices will be going up based up OPEC's decisions. But we'll, we, we'll get into more details with that a little bit later in this podcast. Things we do need to talk about, though, we got some breaking news, more breaking news with Elon Musk. Elon Musk and Twitter have yet to reach deal to end uh, litigation, and we'll get into a little bit more of that later. Apple is reporting to consider making their AirPods and Beat headphones in India. Ford has a new announcement to make as well. Ford is to end production of 500,000 GT supercar with special edition and what that could mean for the automaker going forward. And then we're going to talk, spend the rest of the time in this podcast talking about OPEC because there's a lot of things between OPEC, the White House, and what a certain politician is saying needs to be done. And we need to talk about that when the time comes. With that being said, as I remind you at the beginning of each podcast, I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about in this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any company as you're not guaranteed to make money in the stock market. With that being said, please talk to your professional advisor as they understand your situation a lot better than I would. I cannot legally give you any financial advice. This podcast is for entertainment and information purposes only. With that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Elon Musk and Twitter have yet to reach a deal to end litigation. Elon Musk and Twitter have yet to reach any agreement to end litigation and clear the way for the world's richest person to close his $44 billion deal for the social media platform. Two sources familiar with the litigation told Rutgers on Wednesday. Keep an eye on the docket, said one source. Twitter's legal team and lawyers for Musk, the world's richest person, updated the judge who's overseeing the litigation on Tuesday to try to overcome mutual distrust and find a process for closing the deal. Musk is scheduled to be de- uh, deposed on Thursday in Austin, Texas. That's the pressure point, said the second source. Musk canceled a uh, disposition in late September, citing concerns about a Twitter attorney's possibly exposure to someone who later tested posed positive for COVID-19, according to court filing made public on Wednesday. Musk, who's also chief executive electric vehicle maker Tesla, said in July he was walking away from the April takeover agreement because he discovered Twitter had allegedly misled him about the amount of fake accounts, among other claims. We're going to keep an eye on this for uh, just overall what's happening with Twitter, because anything that happens with Twitter and Elon Musk in general is going to make things interesting. At least at the time of recording this podcast, nothing's happened yet in the Twitter side of things, but... This litigation will probably come to an end. And like we talked about in yesterday's podcast, Musk is going to end up buying out Twitter. And it's going to make things a lot more interesting to see what happens with Twitter, especially in the political side of, of the world going forward. 
because it means they'll have to start making money and it might become more of a free speech platform going forward. On to the next article from the tech industry from CNBC. Apple reportedly in talks to make AirPods and Beats headphones in India. Apple has asked suppliers to begin making some of its AirPods and Beat headphones in India as early as next year, according to Nikki Asia report Wednesday. The talks of the company latest attempt to lower the risk of supply chain disruptions in China due to COVID lockdowns and increased U.S.-China trade tensions. Apple was reportedly in discussions in August to shift some of its Apple Watches, MacBooks, HomePods to Vietnam. It announced in September it's assembling some of its flagship iPhone 14 phones in India. Apple still relies heavily on China for the majority of iPhone production. Foxconn, one of Apple's manufacturing partners, will make the Beats headphones in India and strive to produce AirPods there in the future. According to the report, Luxshare Precision Industry, which makes Apple's AirPods in Vietnam and China, will also help the AirPods production efforts in India. Apple has been looking to increase sales in India, the world's second largest smartphone maker. And though the company's shift to production in India was initially aimed at increasing sales, it's now treating the country more like a strategic production base, according to the report. India will work to attract further investment by spending more than $30 billion on its electric supply chain, Nikki Asia, uh, the Nikki Asia said. And Apple representative did not immediately respond to requests for comment. This might actually be good for India. Few weeks or a couple podcasts ago, we had spoken about how India was going to try to become the chip making powerhouse in the making. And this could technically help start that process a lot sooner. Especially if Apple realizes that, hey, we can uh, be able to get the engineers that we need and, and the workforce that we need to be able to make our uh, products and services. It's also interesting to point out, too, that. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Apple starts is making their own chips. I believe. I, I could be wrong on that. But at least as of right now, this move of Apple moving to India for at least some of its products and services, I personally wouldn't be surprised if, if Apple moved a little bit more of their productions for the Macs and the PCs to India as well. It'd be a smart move for them in the end to be able to use China and India, especially since China's still in lockdown mode. Even Jim Cramer says one of the reasons why the market isn't going to rebound soon is because of the COVID lockdowns in China still. The zero COVID policy that China's trying to obtain, but most likely will never obtain. But it's a good move on Apple's part. And Apple's probably going to see a lot of benefits being in India overall. And I, like I said, I personally wouldn't be surprised if they eventually just decide to move a lot of their making of their products to India. They're not going to leave China completely. Don't get me wrong. But if they really want to get more consumers in Apple products and services, expect them to start making their stuff in India as well. On to the next article. Ford to end production of 500,000 GT supercar with special edition. Detroit, Ford Motor will end production of its 500,000 GT supercar later this year with a special edition model paying tribute to the vehicle's racing heritage. The Detroit automaker on Wednesday said that the 2022 Ford GT LM edition will be the last model of its third generation car, which was resurrected in 2016 after being a decade out of the market. Ford said only 20 of the GT LM edition cars will be produced. Deliveries are scheduled to begin this fall with production wrapping up later this year. According to the automaker, quote, as we close this chapter on of the off-roading, ah, correction, as we close this chapter of the off the road going for GT, the GTLM edition gave us a chance to inject even more heart and soul from podium finishing race car, furthering the tribute to our 2016 Le Mans win. 
Mark Rushbrook, Global Director of Ford Performance Motorsports, said in a release, The GT is a collector's car stepping in racing history. This GTLM edition pays tribute to the third-generation supercar overall. When at 2060 Le Mans, 24 hours, as well as Ford sweeping the podium to beat Ferrari, as portrayed in Ford vs. Ferrari in 2019 as the famous French race in 1966. The current generation GT was super. A surprise revealed at the 2015 North American International Auto Show in Detroit. Ford kept the car a secret even within the company, only allowing select executives and employees to work on it in a nondescript basement room in a building near its headquarters in Dearborn, Michigan. Only 1,350 of its first-generation GTs powered by a twin turbocharged 3.5-liter EcoBoost V6 engine with 660 horsepower and 260 miles per hour top speed were produced by the supplier and contracted manufacturer Multimatic Inc. of Markham, Ontario, in Canada. A Ford spokesman declined to comment on the possibility of a fourth generation GT in the future. He also declined to comment on pricing of the latest limited edition model, saying the GT pricing has started around 500000 Yeah, some rich person's going to get this probably. It's going to be an interesting day, especially if there's ever like an article that's like, see this celebrity take a Ford that's worth 500000 plus and total it. Hopefully, at the end of the day, Ford decides to make the fourth generation so that there's more out there. It's good to see that Ford is still trying to compete, though, with Ferrari at some points in their history of racing. Good to see that that little competition spark is still alive within Ford overall. But it's the end of there. But it's good to see that Ford is still in somewhat of the positive news across the board. All right, let's now get into the more serious matter of this podcast today, oil. Okay, the world in which we live in, we cannot survive without oil, as it's been made very clear. And we are relying on other nations to 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 allow us to have our oil currently. And when you rely on other nations, they can control your future. And that's a disturbing thought to think about. From CNBC and the oil industry, OPEC plus to cut oil production by 2 million barrels per day to shore up prices, defying U.S. pressure. A group of some of the world's most powerful oil producers on Wednesday agreed to impose deep output cuts, seeking to spur a recovery in crude prices despite calls from the U.S. to pump more to help the global economy. OPEC and non-OPEC allies, a group often referred to as OPEC plus, decided at their first fast uh, correction, first face-to-face gathering in Vienna since 2020 to reduce production by 2 million barrels per day from November. Yeah, I was not expecting 2 million barrels per day. In our reports that we had talked about on this podcast, we were think we were reading about 250,000 to about a million. So 2 million, that's a huge significance right there. Energy prices participate participants have expected OPEC Plus, which includes Saudi Arabia and Russia, to impose output cuts of somewhere between 500,000 barrels and 2 million barrels. The move represents a major reversal in production policy from alliances, which slashed output by a record 10 million barrels per day in early 2020 when demand plummeted due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The oil cartel has since gradually unwound those record cuts, albeit with several OPEC Plus countries struggling to fulfill their quotas. Oil prices have fallen to roughly $80 a barrel from more than 120 in early June, amid growing fears at the pro- prospect of a global economic recession. The production cut for November is an attempt to reverse this slide, despite repeated pressures from pre- U.S. President Joe Biden and his administration for the group to pump more to lower fuel prices ahead of the midterm elections next month. <laughs> midterm elections are coming up, and Joe Biden and his presidency is pretty much screwed at this point. 
Continuing on with the article, international benchmark Brent crude futures trade at $92.82 a barrel during Wednesday afternoon. Deals in London up around 1.1%. U.S. West Texas Instrument futures, meanwhile, stood at $87.37, almost 1% higher. OPEC Plus will hold its next meeting on December 4th. Now we get into the White House. White House disappointed. The White House said in a statement that Biden was disappointed by the short-sighted decision by OPEC Plus to cut production quotas while the global economy is dealing with the continued negative impact of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. It said that Biden had directed the Department of Energy to release another 10 million barrels from from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve next month. In light of today's action, the Biden administration will also consult with Congress on additional tools and authorities to reduce OPEC's control over energy prices, the White House said. Okay, we need to remember that. In light of today's action, the Biden administration also will consult with Congress on additional tools and authorities to reduce OPEC's control over energy prices, the White House said. How much do you want to bet next time Exxon and Chevron release their earnings, President Joe Biden is going to blame oil companies for the high gas prices across the nation? He's done it before. We're not going to quote him again here on this podcast, but he said that oil companies made more than God himself. Actually, we did just quote him because we had to go down, trip down memory lane from those past podcasts, but it's kind of disappointing. He's relying on other nations when we probably can be doing this here in the United States, not be controlled. The statement added that OPEC plus announcement served as a reminder of why it's critical for the United States to reduce its alliance on foreign sources of fossil fuel. To be sure, the burning of fossil fuels such as coal and oil and gas is the chief driver of the climate emergency. Speaking at a news conference, OPEC Secretary General uh, defended the group's decision to impose a deep output cut, saying OPEC Plus was seeking to provide security and stability to the energy markets. Asked by CNBC's Hadley Gamble whether the alliance was doing so at a price, they replied by saying everything has a price. Energy security has a price as well. And the last thing we'll read before we get into more about the White House, okay? So selfish motivated energy analysis said that the actual impact of the group's supply cuts for November was likely to be limited with unilateral reductions by Saudi Arabia, the United Arab Emirates, Iraq and Kuwait likely do the main job. What's more analysis said that currently difficult for OPEC plus to form a view more than a month or two into the future as energy markets, the uncertainty of more European sanctions on non-OPEC producer Russia, including on shipping, insurance, price caps, and reduced petroleum imports. In his own words, OPEC's mission is to ensure an adequate pricing environment for both consumers and producers. Yet the decision to reduce output in the current environment runs counter to the objective. Yeah, they're probably doing it because they want to make more money because they realize that the demand is still going to be high for a while. And if they cut production, they can uh, say, hey, we we need more money if we want to be able to uh, give you more oil. Okay, because on the politics side of things in the White House right now, it says White House lobbying fails to prevent OPEC plus production cuts. And there's a kind of information's kind of a little skewed at times, it seems like maybe. It says Washington, a desperate last ditch effort by the Biden White House to convince OPEC plus members to vote against a proposed production cut at Wednesday's meeting in Vienna failed as the oil producing cartel announced a larger than expected output of 2 million barrels per day. Shortly after the announcement, President Joe Biden told reporters at the White House that he thought the cut was unnecessary, although he said that he had yet to see all the details. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he reports on this later when he actually talks about it in his briefings. 
Following Biden's remarks, White House officials said the president was disappointed by the short-sighted decision by OPEC Plus to cut production quotas while the global economy is dealing with the continued negative impact of Putin's invasion of Ukraine. Until Wednesday, the White House had avoided making any public comments that suggested there was friction between Washington and leading OPEC member states. But behind the scenes, members of the Biden administration have been pulling out all the stops, reaching out to partners in the Persian Gulf and warning of drastic consequences to the global economy if the production cuts was announced, according to multiple people familiar with the situation. The White House even tried unsuccessfully to enlist companies to speak out against a production cut, according to people who asked to remain anonymous to describe private conversations. Wednesday's announcement was OPEC's first major output cuts since early the coronavirus in 2020. We've talked about that a little bit. This is where things, the midterms, it's all about the midterms right now in oil. With U.S. midterm elections just a month away, any increase in gasoline price resulting from higher oil prices would be political gift to Republicans who have blamed Biden for their record high gas prices brought on primarily by Russians in Asia of Ukraine. As a member of the expanded OPEC Plus group, Russia is poised to benefit significantly from the decision made at Wednesday's meeting, which was attended in person by Russian Deputy Prime Minister. The Kremlin is heavily dependent on oil export revenue to fund its war in Ukraine, and its own petroleum production has fallen since the start of the invasion. Yeah, I doubt it. I don't think they're reporting fully on that 100%. Just my opinion overall, because like we've mentioned, and I, I know I'm just beating a dead horse at this point, but... There's always new people who are listening onto this podcast, and I don't know when they're jumping in to listen, and I'm just going to keep repeating it, but we know Russia's selling oil to China, and China's most likely going to be consuming more oil from Russia because it's cheaper to buy it from Russia across the board. Especially now, since they're being reporting that it's going to potentially get up to $100 a barrel now for oil now. It's going to be insane what happens in that regard. Correct going on says newly announced production cut will buoy Russian oil's revenue heading into winter when demand for Russian energy in Europe and Central Asia typically rises. This is especially important for Moscow, given that the European Union is preparing to impose Russian oil embargo and G7 nations are finalizing to impose a limit on the price of G7 nations transports and Russian oil as they plan to Asia and Africa. You know, this is probably going to cause a lot of conflict soon, in my personal opinion. I wouldn't be surprised, and this terrifies me to say this, but I wouldn't be surprised if there becomes conflict soon with the United States in some way, shape, or form. Because we're going to have a lot of issues if our gas prices keep going up within our own country. And it seems like it because of this article from CNBC, from the Energy Department from CNBC, time for U.S. to reevaluate Saudi relationship, Senator Chris Murphy says, ahead of OPEC output cut the influence alliance of some of the world's most powerful oil producers is reportedly considering its largest output cut we know that two million barrels a day quote i think it's a mistake on their part and i think it's time for the wholesale revaluation of the u.s alliance with saudi arabia murphy told cnbc's hadley gambley tuesday murphy said that the united states needed the saudis to take steps that may affect their short-term bottom line when it comes to oil revenues but which would allow the West to survive the challenging against Russia. Quote, I just don't know what the point of the current alliance is if we have to work so hard to get Saudis to do the right thing, the Democratic Party member Murphy said. The U.S. President Joe Biden visited the Saudi government in July in a bid to ramp up oil production and rein in soaring energy prices. Increased production would flood the market with oil, helping to cool global, uh, global gasoline prices, which can hurt the U.S. economy when they are sky high. Murphy added that he does not think the Biden's visit had gone 
what they needed from the Saudis and cautioned on the United States having any sort of business dealings with Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia seems to be working directly with the Western interest to Timothy Ash, senior emerging market strategist at Blue Bay Asset Management. Saudi Arabia is working with Russia to limit oil production and boost international oil prices in the middle of the global cost of living crisis. And yet Saudi still thinks it can cap can tap Western capital markets to fund projects like Nemo. He said in an email comment, the Nemo project is an ambitious city plan founded by Saudi Arabia's crown prince, which aims to incorporate smart city technologies in a build of futuristic town. Associating with a brutal regime, I think you got to be very careful to do business with the Saudis these days. You're con condoning and associating yourself with a brutal regime, he said. A regime that frankly doesn't seem to be willing to stand with its allies in Europe, in the United States, and we really need them too. What's the point of of looking the other way, if the Saudis chop up the journalists, and uh, we're not going to get into that part where they're talking about how they killed a journalist. I mean, OPEC's in control. Our markets, our oil markets, are going to be controlled by OPEC going forward. They are. I mean, we keep, I keep saying this on this podcast, and this is not financial advice. None of this ever is financial advice. This is more of inf information entertainment purposes only. When you rely on other nations for your supplies... This is the end results. Okay, but let's look at let's look at a trip in history. The United States was before World War II was giving a lot of their oil to Japan. Japan was invading. The United States said, "Hey, we don't want you to be invading anymore," and so they cut up a lot of their oil supplies, and then that's what caused Japan to attack Pearl Harbor, which then got the United States into World War II. We should take a look at our own history, because. When you rely on other countries, you're at the mercy of those other countries. We could probably be drilling our own stuff here. And then we don't care what the Saudis do at that point. We could probably flood the market with our own oil. But that would require actually wanting to drill. Because it says here with OPEC control, OPEC wants to stay in control of the market and wants to keep the market in balance and ensure what they've already achieved over the last few years remains in place. Said commodity analysis at UBS Wealth Management. He also added the oil prices tapered quickly in recent months due to aggressive monetary policy tightening in Europe as well as the, U the strong U.S. dollar. At the start of the last month, the European Central Bank raised rates by unprecedented 75 basis points, taking on the benchmark deposit rate of 0.75%. The bank also revised up its inflation expectations for 2020 for the average of 8.1%. Global oil prices skyrocketed to more than $120 a barrel after the Russian invasion of Ukraine, but have eased down to $80. And they're saying here that they believe that's going to eventually go up to says here, the analysis added a different intervention by the U.S. administration irritated the OPEC players, such as the massive release from strategic oil reserves. Get ready for a fun winter for my fellow podcast listeners around the world. We're going to be affected by this. We will be. In California, we're definitely going to be feeling this. Gas prices are most likely going to be going up in California. I mean, it's already at six dollars again it's it's starting to remind me of early summer months when gas prices were close to seven dollars a gallon and now we're having to go through this again we just don't seem to learn we should not be relying on other countries we should be trying to become more energy independent and energy independent also means drilling our own oil on our own lands it's everywhere well, not really everywhere. It's just the technology has changed to a point to where we can be able to do what we need to in order to survive. We should not be relying on these other countries. This is where we're at. Oil companies are going to continue to make a lot of money. They will be. Especially, 
uh, I believe Saudi Aramco, they're probably going to crush earnings again this coming quarter. And I firmly believe they'll crush quarter, their earnings the next quarter too. And we'll continue to keep reporting on every event that's happening with oil because here's the, here's the thing that's going to get really interesting. The, how the market goes going forward will almost be determined, not 100%, but a lot of it could be determined by the outcome of this midterm election in the United States now. It will be. A lot of people are going to be super fed up with having to pay really high p- prices at the pump. Democrats are fearing. Republicans might have a little bit of fear. But at the end of the day, gas prices do affect midterm elections. The midterm election is coming up. It's probably less than a month away now, if I'm not mistaken. And things are going to get chaotic. Oil companies will make a lot of money. And a lot of politicians hopefully will be unemployed soon. And hopefully by then, we'll start doing the right thing by not relying on other countries for their oil and resources. That being said, fellow podcast listeners, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast today. Thank you for so much for listening to it today. If you've enjoyed it, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription we get to this podcast helps grow our channel so we'll be able to keep talking about events that are still happening within the stock market. Please share with friends or family as they might enjoy it as well. And they might be able to share with their friends or family as well to continue to help grow this podcast. With that being said, fellow podcast listeners, thank you so much for listening to this podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.